1: Good day to everybody. It's Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. Steven Jodderin, Aman Kafai, and we got a cool episode for you. Yeah, we do. We
2: have former U.S. Men's National Team player, U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer, L.A. Galaxy color commentator, Kobe Jones, joining us to talk about the L.A. Galaxy and the Noisy Neighbors, LAFC. Mm-hmm. We also talked to Atlanta United Supporters Group president, the Terminus Legion president, Austin Long to talk about Atlanta United and their fan base they've created in that first year. Two great interviews on two
1: different sides of the spectrum. One's MLS talk, one's kind of supporters talk. But Armand, all week long we've been teasing, teasing a little announcement, but it's actually a really big announcement. We have signed a sponsorship deal.
2: Yes, we signed a sponsorship deal with Away Days, and I found Away Days as I was looking for jerseys that are kind of not that expensive. You know, I have a jersey collection. 15 jerseys in my closet just waiting to be used uh, day in and day out the way it is actually really cool Their number one best seller actually is a mystery kit which it's a kit that you know nothing about until you actually open it which is actually pretty cool if, if you're asking me and it's only 25 bucks for an authentic kit like you can't
1: beat that anywhere else no it's it's really cool so go to waydaysfootball.com buy what you need to buy Get a $25 soccer jersey. You're not going to find that anywhere else. Type in at checkout promo called Uncle Sam. Receive an additional 15% off. It's a great deal. So it's a win-win. A really good quality product for a very great price. And then receive an additional discount. AwayDaysFootball.com. Check them out. Armand, let's just get straight to Kobe Jones. Joining us right now is L.A. Galaxy legend, U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer, and current color analyst for the Galaxy, Kobe Jones. Kobe, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing fabulous. Thanks for having me, guys.
2: Kobe, the MLS season is actually right around the corner. I didn't realize this, but it's actually in a week. Are you excited for the start of the season?
0: Yeah, I'm excited. I'm surprised that that you are surprised that it's only a week away yeah everything's been been gung-ho for a lot of teams it's already started with CONCACAF Champions League I mean they're they're full bore into it so yeah everything that is is going on right now it's got me excited and geared up
1: do you think this is going to be the uh, biggest MLS season yet uh
0: as far as biggest MLS season I mean it depends on what you what you're thinking uh, as far as the size factor, I guess. I think it's going to be big as far as the numbers and people watching and the interest. But we haven't had, I I think, levels like this, well, ever, because I think it's a sport that's exponentially growing here. But, I mean, this is what you want to see. You want to see it grow and grow.
1: And I think as more teams come in, the competition gets better and better, and it attracts more people. Well, let's talk about your LA Galaxy. What are your thoughts with this New team from last season.
0: Well, I mean, are, you want to hear about last season, or you want to hear about where they're going? Well, I now? mean, where are they going? last <laughs>
1: season they finished last; they were a complete dud. How's this transition been?
0: Oh, the, the transition has been uh, a, a difficult one. I think, and more so for some of the players that you know, obviously got let go from last season to this season. I think it's a necessary transition, though. When we talk about uh, the the LA Galaxy and where they were, like you said, they finished last and obviously not good. The way I look at it, the only way they can go is up. You know, from there, it, it's been uh, a process. Whereas Ziggy Schmidt took a, quite a bit of time and his staff to kind of figure out where things were going. They've started to make that transition, as you can see. They made a, a, a ton of moves, you know, mm-hmm. in the off season, which have really, uh, I I think are really going to help the team push to be even more dangerous than they were before because they were always dangerous offensively. They just couldn't, they didn't have that one finisher. And then on the defensive side, I think they're shoring up things in the back to not be such a sieve in that back line.
2: So which offseason signing are you most excited about?
0: Well, I was a, I was a, a, a midfield forward. So I'm going to go Ola Kamara. I mean, mm. you know, he's an out and out goal scorer with his time at Columbus and, and, and as I mentioned, you look at the L.A. Galaxy last season and you actually look at their play rather than their record, they actually still dominated teams, created a, a ton right. of chances, had a lot of possession, but just couldn't finish. And then they would give up, you know, a, a silly goal mm-hmm. or and then just fall apart at the wrong time. So now that they have Ola Kamara, that you look at it, You know, he lives for the 18-yard box. That's where he wants to be. You're going to see a Galaxy side that will continue to dominate in the midfield and hold possession. But now they have that goal scorer that can put the ball in the back of the net. Now it's how to, to use him to the best of the abilities, how to incorporate him into the likes of the Dos Santos brothers and Alessandrini and
1: others to really have them all on the same page. What could be the biggest challenge facing this squad and this team this upcoming season? The
0: biggest challenge is going, to be, is going to be to see how quickly they can gel as a team. When you have so many changes from one season to the other, it's very difficult you know, to really to, to come together and be um, a team. And, to, and more importantly, what the Galaxy has is expectations to be a competitive team. You know, you look at the back line and and the changes that they're going through. I I think there's only going to be, you know, two possibly maybe just one player starting from what we saw last season. Now those new players all have to get, you know, on the same page. The new goalkeeper, it looks like, is going to be starting in David Bingham. You know, you have a defensive midfielder, new defensive midfielder in Perry Tension. So that back six, how are they going to gel to really shore things up in the back?
2: I felt like a lot of the time, whenever we I saw the Galaxy play, that uh, Alessandrini Drini was actually not talked about as much within MLS. But I think he had a phenomenal season. How do you think Alessandrini Drini is going to benefit from a uh, goal scorer such as Kamara being added to the lineup?
0: Well, that's a good question, and I would agree with you. I don't think he was talked about enough or got all the laurels that he probably should have for what he did on a team that was struggling. Um, i I would like to think, and I think most people would think that it's only going to help that more attention will be put mm-hmm. on others so he can actually have a little bit more freedom you know to uh, create an attack and and be that player, that winger that comes in and you know gets on the ends of crosses, but also puts the ball in the back of the net with some of those with that fabulous left foot of his. So uh, I'm, I'm expecting more from him, and I have a feeling that he's the type of player that that tends to live up you know, to everybody's expectations.
1: What type of pressure is on Shiggy Smith this upcoming season?
0: Uh, I I think there's going to be pressure on him, of course. I wouldn't expect it to be too much. I don't think it should be. I mean, he comes in at half a season, takes over a team that was was in last place and struggling. And I don't think there's going to be a ton of – look, you're at the LA Galaxy, there's always going to be pressure. But I don't think, you know – that it's going to be too much, and I say that because I've seen the moves that he's made already, and most of the moves are things that people like. I, don't, I, I look at the team, and I just go, okay, this is a team that's going to do very well. Now, unless there's a, a complete collapse of the Galaxy, uh, I, I don't think he's going to be in too much, have too many issues or too many worries, because I have a feeling you're going to see Galaxy at least middle of the road and uh, probably from the looks of it making the
3: playoffs.
2: No, absolutely. I mean, I feel like a playoff with the LA Galaxy is a lot more is a lot more fun than uh, them on the outside looking in. But can you talk about uh, their draft pick that they had, uh, Tomas, Hilliard, Arce? I mean, I've been reading a lot of things. Uh, it seemed like uh, he was a con- uh, one of the consensus top players, and and he was a pretty good college player. But what are the Galaxy's expectations uh, for him going into the season?
0: Well, look. I mean, don't don't. Uh, how do I put this? Look, there's always hype when you score a couple goals. Look, preseason is preseason. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I I don't want there to be all this hype that okay, he's the the second coming, but he has talent. And one thing that I I talked to Ziggy Schmidt about is is when you talk about a player like Hilliard Arce, he's a defender, so there's an easier transition going from college mm-hmm. to professional in that position. But he has all the abilities. He has all the skills. To make it at the next level and we've seen it on the offensive and defensive side and I've seen it as I've, I called some of those college games where he was playing up at Stanford you know he has the talent and talking to Ziggy one of the things that is important to remember that you have a team in college you know that has won three championships in a row you know there's probably some talented players on that side and I think that's one of the reasons they made sure they went out and got Hilliard Arce to be one of those players that could help Solidify and right. depth at back line.
1: Kobe, let's talk about one of the biggest names in world soccer, and that's Slatan Ibarimovic. He's been linked with the LA Galaxy. Do you know anything of this potential move?
0: I know some things, but I can't
1: tell you. You <laughs> <laughs> uh, can't leave us hanging like that. <laughs> That's the whole point, right? It's, yeah. Like that,
0: just get people talking again. Huh?
1: <laughs> well, is it is it a wink? Are you winking at us? I, we can't see you, so is it is it one of those winks? You know, can't tell you. Uh,
0: you, you can't see what I'm doing. No, oh, sorry. My <laughs> bad. <laughs> uh, anyway, he's a talented player. I mean, uh, I mean, if, what wouldn't that be amazing if Zlatan Ibrahimovic, you know, comes to the LA Galaxy? I mean, I think I think that. I think everybody would have something to talk about, right? Absolutely. And I'm sure Slotin would have a lot to talk about, too.
1: You know? <laughs> <laughs> for sure. But what would that mean for the LA Galaxy with bringing a name like that?
0: Well, it, it, it would be absolutely huge you know, for the Galaxy. I think within the, the soccer world, it is it, is, uh, it, it would be a, a, a pinnacle move for the Galaxy, for sure, because everyone within the zo- soccer world knows Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Now, outside of that, I don't don't know so much. I don't know how much that's going to attract for the layman, you know, so to speak. But that being said, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, just look at his quotes over the years. He would do and say enough that I think he would transition and start attracting others. (laughs) You know, there would be a lot of talk from. From uh, local TV to whatever, I i, I don't know. You probably say they need to name the, the Staples
1: Center after me or something. <laughs> that's,
0: like, uh, that's his style, you know, and it, I think it would be interesting.
1: Do you think that the Galaxy, what are the expectations for the season? You said playoffs, but could they do some damage, uh, you know, beyond maybe the U.S. Open Cup or sneak into a playoff and be a team that nobody wants to play?
0: I, I, I truly think so. I would agree with that. I, I always think, you know, for the, for the most part, for the majority of the LA Galaxy, it's always been a team that no one really wants to play. I've now, given, yes, yeah, so over the past year or so, there, there was a change where people said, okay, we can, we can put it on the Galaxy for a bit. But even in those games, when the Galaxy were on fire, you could see that they couldn't be stopped. Because as, I, as I've mentioned a hundred times, Teams mostly scored on the Galaxy through counterattacks and fast breaks because they dominated. The Galaxy dominated so much of the possession, it, you know. It, it was it was unseemly sometimes calling these games, going, "Do something, get the goal now. You need to do something <laughs> about it." And they would always get countered on and scored, scored on, and then fall behind. You know that was a lot of the issue. So it's almost one of those things. Where you just need a tweak here and there. Because most coaches would tell you that they would love to have the ball the majority of the time. Now can we just finish it? You know, now if the Galaxy could have that finisher in Ola Kamara, if they've made enough changes in the back and -hmm. they can gel and solidify, all of a sudden you've got a team that hasn't just made the one tweak or two, that they've made like three or four, they could really, you know, do some damage within the league.
2: Now, Kobe, I know... We all know this. Actually, it, it's a it's a World Cup year. I mean, I, I was gonna say I know, but it's a World Cup year, and we know the MLS plays through the world. Uh, will they take a break? But the World Cup will still have some sort of impact. How does it? How if it does? has an How does it have an impact on the squad selection? Also, the, the team dynamics. I mean, I, you at least expect the Dos Santos brothers. I mean, to get called up. Uh, it, uh, what kind of impact uh, do you think it has on? Uh, the team and the squad selections?
0: I think it's going to be, uh, you know, difficult for the Galaxy. You're going to lose a couple of players and lose a few players. And, and I think that's going to happen to a lot of teams around the league as we see more uh, players from different CONCACAF teams and, and now some CONCACAF teams, you know, going into MLS. So that was is part of the import of having a deep squad. There's going to be, in this World Cup year, a lot of players are going to be called upon to step up at the right moment and to, you know, and to perform, you know, they're going to have to make it so that you continue to play, you know, the same or better than when those players, you know, take off for the world cup. And, it, and as you know, in a world cup year, and people go, Oh yeah, the, the world cup, you know, it's like a, it's a month long and maybe like two or three weeks. If, if you don't make it out of the first round, well, no, it's longer than that because teams go in to their camp beforehand. You know, probably about you know a few weeks beforehand, and then you have the tournament. And men if teams do well, so you could see p- players gone for a couple of months. So you've got to make sure that your squad is not just the first eleven; that it's that it is a full eighteen to twenty-two strong.
1: What about the players' mentality? How hard is it to judge, or how is hard is it to tackle the upcoming season, and then have the World Cup looming, knowing that you know your performance will you know be judged. Well,
0: I'll, I'll tell you this, and then you'll see it. Every player always seems to be a little bit fitter, <laughs> a little bit mentally stronger, <laughs> a little bit more excited in a World Cup year. You know, <laughs> There's always that belief that I need to be playing during the World Cup, and if I do well in the World Cup, you know what? The sky's the limit.
1: Right. Let's talk about the noisy neighbor uh, miles down the, the street. How has LAFC impacted the Galaxy in ways – in which we don't see.
0: I would say that's more of a, a behind the scenes thing, right? You, you see, you know, LAFC, mm-hmm. uh, you know, branding everywhere. You know, so this is more of like the managerial side, where it's like, okay, they're the noisy neighbors coming in, just saying, hey, we're the top dog. They've got this this beautiful new stadium that's coming in, and that's in in, in right in the downtown. LA area mm-hmm. right off the of USC. So yeah, they're making a lot of noise and they're, tra- they're trying to, you know, get a, uh, immediate effect on the LA community. Now I, I, I see them as being kind of, uh, they, they're, they're coming across as like we're the hit young, um, the, you know, the, I guess the not nonconformative conformative group, you know, that's what they're billing themselves, themselves as, but, you know, I mean, if that works, you know, great. You know, if that works for them, that's absolutely fabulous. I, I always imagine they're going to have, you know, a significant fan base. I think L.A. is a city that can handle two teams, mm-hmm. you know, and we'll, we'll definitely find out. And I think it's going to be interesting to have this team that comes in, you know, right away. And they've made some significant moves, you know, getting Bella on the team and everything and to see how they Uh, you know, spar with, you know, with the, with the galaxy, you know, it's a couple of coaches that know each other. Well, there's be some players that know each other. Well, Uh, so it's going to be very interesting. Even some general managers that know each other. well. Now
2: back, back in around what 20 is 2010, back when Chivas USA was around, I've I've gone through and I was rewatching some uh, Chivas USA, uh, LA galaxy uh, playoff playoff clips and, I found it interesting before Chivas USA was uh, bought out and uh, sold. And and sold. I mean, they attra- uh, attracted quite a crowd, and look, and the atmosphere uh, at StubHub looked really exciting. Uh, do you expect that same vibe, or do you expect something even better with LAFC coming in?
0: Well, I know LAFC is probably so or is going to be so angry at you sir, for mentioning Chivas USA in <laughs> the same <laughs> They are trying to separate that. As much as possible. Uh, look, the Chivas USA experiment, I think everyone would agree was a bit of a disaster. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you don't, you don't, you, you know, you, you don't minimize your fan base, you know, right so much where you just, have, you know, you know, for all the Mexican fans, the only Chivas fans for, you know, for, you're forgetting all the other Latino cultures that are out there, or all the American culture out there. You, you, you just minimize it. And the Chivas fans, the, the Chivas fans only think that it's the, the real Chivas is Chivas down in Guadalajara, not Chivas USA you know, mm-hmm. so you've got a, a small base, and when, what you probably saw as far as their big games might have been the opening game or the game against the Galaxy, that yeah. was always packed yeah, so it was. that yes, was always always, packed. always a rivalry, I can still remember to this day, walking out with Jovan Kurowski, uh for the first game for, against Chivas and we were going out for warm up and the stadium was packed already you know, now that it never happened for me where you had, you know, StubHub full as everyone's cheering, you know, that, that's, that says something about rivalry in Los Angeles. Now, as, as you know, the, the team got sold and, you know, and then the actual thing got the, the, the rice, I guess you should say got sold. That's how LSC mm-hmm. wants to see it. And then they defuncted the team um, and then come back later. I imagine along the same lines when we see LA Galaxy and LAFC matched up, it's going to be a packed house. Hours before the game, you're going to see the two fan bases going at it in a in a competitive, friendly way. Nothing crazy, you know, <laughs> I don't think. And, it is, and it's going to be uh, an, an adventure. You know, it's something that I want to see and be a part of, just because you know you have. I think when we talk about LAFC and what they're doing, and you see the stadium, this is a team. It's not here part-time. This is a team that's here to stay. And now it's going to be between the Galaxy and LAFC to see who the dominant culture, the dominant player is going to be in Los Angeles.
1: Kobe, I know you got to get going here, but talk about the LA culture regarding soccer. It's very multicultural already, but what's it like from a, a soccer standpoint as far as culture? Yeah, it's
0: it's a multicultural multicultural, as you said, but I think it's got a heavy, heavy um, Latino effect to it, you know, and a little bit of that flair. You know, you have a, a culture in Los Angeles that has people from all around the world, but heavily on the Latino side. Uh, looking at it, I think, I think it's it's what we want to see, you know, in the future, I think, of, of U.S. soccer, you know, this this base of getting ideas from every different culture and different background and taking the best and forming a team to compete at the highest levels. I don't agree with others out there that say multiculturalism uh, is a detriment to soccer in the United States, mm-hmm. not, not as far as I see it. I think this, that's the way of the United States and the way of the future, and I think we are, are smart enough and uh, brilliant enough to find a way to make it work for everybody to get the best of everything that we need to compete.
2: Absolutely. Well, Kobe, I want you, I want to thank you for joining us on the show today. And on the show, we do have a little section where we have a shameless plug where you can plug away, where we can find you and all all your stuff. Where you, when you can tell us uh, when Zlatan is a uh, any more information on Zlatan, you know, just throwing that out there. <laughs> but uh, just plug yeah. plug away yeah. everything where we can uh, hear from you and all that stuff.
0: Oh well, you can find me, uh, you know, on Instagram at Kobe Jones on the at Kobe Jones thirteen uh, Facebook, you know, Twitter. I'm on there at Kobe Jones, and uh, getting involved with the Evolve Project LA. You know, I think that's something everyone should check out, especially in the LA area, as we uh, focus on that a little bit, getting involved in helping build the sport in Los Angeles.
1: Well, Kobe, thank you very much. We we look forward to seeing you on the uh, game day broadcast.
0: Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
1: Armand. Armand. Yeah. When Kobe Jones laughed and said, I know something. What was the first thing that went through your mind regarding the Ibrahimovic to LA Galaxy rumor?
2: Well, the first thing that came in my mind is Kobe Jones knows something. What well, he said, which he is, knows
1: something, so- which which
2: which means which means uh, if we're going to be reading his mind, that uh, Kobe Jones just confirmed uh, Ibrahimovic to LA Galaxy. <laughs> 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 so 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 uh, so we just we just broke that news on Uncle Stan's Lager podcast. No no no. I mean it means I I genuinely think that he's pr- probably going to come in
1: the summer, which I, would provide a really interesting he, dynamic in LA. He wouldn't say that if he weren't coming, or if the rumors, uh, if he hears things of being more no than yes. Yes. I mean yeah. I mean yeah. I mean it's it's, it's 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 honestly going to be an interesting dynamic because. He wouldn't even come as a DP from the reports we were reading. Not even That's- that, Armand. I'm not even talking about what Ibrahimovic would do for MLS. I'm just talking about if he's coming or not. Kobe Jones, if you read into it, and I'm about to play it again. just Let me just play it back. I know some things, but I can't tell you. You <laughs> <laughs> oh, can't leave us hanging like that. <laughs> That's the whole point, right? Yeah. You like that. Just get people talking again. Huh? Yeah. I just don't think you're going to sit there and laugh about it if you weren't coming because if you laugh about it, that means you're either covering something up or you're just kind of like, just sit back and wait. Just he, He's going to come at some point, and I think the, the he's most likely going to come over the summer when he's done with Manchester United and see how the season plays out. They're still in the Champions League. Hell, if Manchester United crash out of the Champions League, I think he, comes, he could come sooner. I mean, it's going to be fun, man. If
2: Zlatan comes, let me just say, everyone that doesn't want him in their league are all liars. You all want Zlatan, man. This guy's a personality, a great guy. He is. He would be so fun for MLS, and LAFC would have to probably do something. Be like, okay, well, LA Galaxy just got probably one of the biggest international superstars. we got to do something now and make a splash, too.
1: Provides That's- for a little fun competition. An arms race between LAFC and LA Galaxy. It's pretty dope, and it's it's a growing trend across the league with these inner rivalries. Obviously, you have the New York Derby, you have Cascadia Cup, even in Atlanta, you have the addition of Nashville. Now Miami, Orlando. That that little section of the country is going to really be interesting to to follow. Rivalries make everyone better. Really does. Speaking of Atlanta United, Armand, pretty expect, big expectations coming up for them.
2: yeah, they just made the biggest MLS transfer like ever in terms of Ezekiel Barco and they were really expected to make but potentially deep run until they were knocked out by Columbus, who instead made that deep run and their their fan base was immense. yeah it's it's crazy. so Steven. Joining us right now is Atlanta United Terminus Legion President Austin Long. He oversees the day-to-day running of the organization. You can find the Terminus Legion on Twitter at the term at Terminus Legion, and you can find Austin on Twitter at Austin Long 1974.
3: Austin, how's it going today? Pretty good. Uh, we got you know we got Charleston tomorrow, and then we're about a week away from the season opener, so we're getting pretty excited.
1: Pretty excited right. is the word to be using, but Austin. <laughs> Atlanta might be the premier soccer city in, right now in America. How the hell did that
3: happen? Well, it's it's really interesting, and you know, I you know, I don't want to uh, upset our our fellow supporters in Seattle and and around MLS, but uh, you know, LA United is just it was just waiting to happen, and and you know, from the announcement to the. Uh, so the first game against New York Red Bulls almost a year ago, it just has been building. And I think a lot of people were waiting for this. Uh, like most people, I'm a, I'm a transplant to Atlanta. I moved here about three and a half years ago. And, and while I've followed soccer my whole life, uh, you, know, I've, you know, I'm a Manchester United fan. So, you know, I've had other ways to tap into my soccer fandom. But mm-hmm. for a lot of people in Atlanta, they've been like a lot of people they've been waiting their whole life for this. And, and this is just the, uh, it was just like, it was like a dream come true for a lot of people. And there's a lot of pent up, uh, emotion and anticipation. And, uh, you know, the, the game against the New York Red Bulls, I think the people who were there will never forget that because it was just an amazing moment. At one
2: point, the national media was pretty much doubtful of Atlanta Atlanta soccer scene. And, Yet, people saying that it wouldn't work down there, and people right now are even critical of Atlanta as a sports town. What was the feeling when you kind of just proved them
3: all wrong? I think, I think inside the soccer community, it was not. We we were ready. Uh, I think outside, you know, uh, you know, Atlanta sports fans don't have the greatest reputation. Uh, that was especially uh, apparent to me from the outside looking in. But I think inside, a lot of us, what I found uh, as I started interacting with uh, with supporters was we have a wide range of of soccer, I don't know, references. You know, we have a lot of people who followed an MLS team or follow a European club. Uh, we were, fans were ready to do this. And, and inside the soccer community, I mean, we we were doing tipos for... Um, we did one for Chattanooga. We, you know, we, we drove 90 minutes north. <laughs> we played Chattanooga and we combined with the hooligans. We did a two-part TIFO. We did a TIFO for the first game in Charleston. And we just hit the ground running because, you know, we have a lot of American outlaws too, uh, you know, and so uh, Atlanta is home to like over a dozen supporter groups for European clubs. Uh, so th- this is not you know, for a lot of people, this was not their first rodeo. So they just need, they just need a platform and, uh, they really delivered, uh, you know, from all the supporter groups, uh, Capos, TIFO, uh, the March to the match tailgate. I mean, we were ready. We just, you know, the dedicated, you know, the, the season tickets went through the roof, you know, and the, not all in the support section, obviously, but I think fans were just ready and they just want somebody to cheer. And, you know, once, Arthur Blank provided that. It it was just time.
1: Now, Austin, we're a Dallas-based podcast, so FC Dallas is a really bad comparison. But when we go to the games there, I'm always (laughs) underwhelmed when it comes to fan passion. Just describe the day-to-day life as an Atlanta United supporter. Do you see jerseys on the regular across the city? Is it like what you see in Orlando where the, the purple signs and all that?
3: You know, it, it's, it's really crazy because you do. You see, the, the magnets are on the cars all the time. Uh, people are wearing five stripes. Uh, you see uh, somebody in, uh, in a jersey almost every day. Uh, it really has taken over the city. The billboards are, are really prevalent. They have uh, a couple now right uh, around Mercedes-Benz. Uh, they just uh, put the new one up. Uh, there's one of the drummers, uh, Zach uh, Zach McGee, he's on it. He's, like, side-by-side side with her. I want to say job but it could be Martinez. Anyway, but, you know, and i is marketing and, has really done a great job, and, and fans are excited. Fans, this is something where um, there's really been a lot of different outlets, too. Uh, podcasts, Reddit. Uh, there's several Facebook groups. Uh, people are just talking about all the time. We have great... Uh, Doug Robertson for, uh, Atlanta journal constitution, uh, provides excellent coverage. Uh, you know, there's just so much to talk about. I mean, there's like almost half a dozen podcasts now dedicated just to Atlanta United. Oh. And, um, it's, it's just insane. Like, you know, we have, uh, we have the, uh, for termus Legion, we have the home before dark guys. Uh, they've been to several of our poker tournaments. They were at the last tailgate last year you know Mouth of the south uh which is the uh, dirty south soccer podcast um has been going for like almost 18 months now they were in it before you know even chattanooga they would just talk you know for a week you know a uh, weekly podcast news and tidbits you know from kenwin jones being signed to the uh, kit release to you know where's darren eels going to next and and this people have taken to it in a way, I mean, like, you know, like SC Dallas, I know you guys, um, I was down there a couple years ago and Dallas beer gardens were awesome. I stood with them and, and, you know, I, there's a couple different podcasts that, you know, I've heard from that area and it's just, you know, I, I, for whatever reason, you know, this is new and like people have taken it to a way that, that maybe other parts of the country haven't yet. But, uh, like I said, people, Atlanta United, or excuse me, soccer fans in Atlanta were just waiting for a platform. I really believe that. And they have gone in you know, head first, both feet, you know, pick your metaphor. Now, I was looking at your
2: uh, bio on the Terminus Legion website. I said you moved in 2014 uh, to Atlanta and you actually started attending a Silverback games. Did you ever expect something as you just described uh, back when you were just watching the Silverbacks play?
3: You know what, like, so for me, I'm a kind of a soccer nerd and I've, you know, I, I've been around the country and gone to other support groups. So when I moved down here, I was like, okay, the Silverbacks are what's playing right now. I knew mm-hmm. that, you know, at Lane, I was still a couple years away. And so I was like, Silverbacks, great. You know, uh, so I came from Michigan and, you know, uh, we had Detroit City and we had Lancy United. And by the time I left, there was like five NPSL teams there. So I knew, you know, about lower league soccer. and I really enjoyed it. And so I came here, there, you know, there was a silverback. So I was like, that's, you know, I can go watch live soccer just like I did, you know, in Lansing or Detroit or whatever. And that's where I found Terminus Legion. And, you know, then I found out about Georgia Revolution, which is down the road. And uh, even, you know, it's silverbacks. I mean, silverbacks uh, have a couple good supporter groups. You have the Ultra, you have Ultras, you have West 109. I mean, they're passionate fans, regardless of the size, there are passionate fans in and around Atlanta. And I believe there's passionate fans in and around the United States. And they, you know, they're just looking for something, whether it's, you know, this, you know, a, an NPSL team or a PDL team, or even, you know, even lower than that, say they're lower, you know, their are USASA team or, or whatever. And, you know, all the way to MLS. I mean, MLS, you know, you get, you know, there's 40,000 or 20,000 or whatever. And so the, you know, the proportions might be different, but um, I think people, I think soccer fans, are, you know, just like going to games. And I think it has this, it's a, you know, you can be a lot more ambitious and, uh, you know, really, really uh, boisterous and obnoxious in a way that you can't be other sports. And I think that really attracts people.
1: Austin, you got the Atlanta Falcons, you got the Hawks, you got the Braves, and Atlanta United. Where's Ant- Atlanta United on on the chart? Are they first, second, third or fourth?
3: Yeah, it's it's really interesting. ninety two point nine is our local FM station and they uh broadcast, you know, the lane night games and they're they're uh the radio personalities have really tried to engage the game. They're not uh it's not superficial. They're really trying to learn the game, even if they're maybe not as familiar with it as they are, you know, breaking down the Falcon's depth chart. You know, they could probably go three deep and know exactly everything and, and maybe they can't do that with, you know, say who's you know, Escobar or Barco, maybe they, they can't do that, but they're really trying and, and they put up these polls and they're trying to gauge it as well. It's really, Atlanta is in this weird kind of crossroads right now because like, yeah, the Falcons, you know, two years ago, uh, they snuck into the playoffs again. They're, you know, if they're, if they're successful, they're going to be number one. I think it's going to be hard to overtake. But like the Hawks, the uh, last couple of years haven't been great. The Braves moved. Uh, to Cobb county which is outside you know downtown and they they are like rebuilding in all capital letters uh, they really struggled last year <laughs> and uh, so the Lane united comes in and you know not only are they new but they're success successful they're, dynamic, they're very exciting um, I think that's really one of the big uh, one of the the big pluses for this team is they're excited. They're not, you know, they're not new and they're playing like, you know, bunker mentality, park the bus, trying to survive. Uh, I would look at our friends in, in the North of Minnesota about that, but uh, you know, they they came in and, you know, they tried <laughs> to express themselves and play attacking soccer. And they have these amazing young players, Almiron, you know, you look at their signings, right. You know, Almiron, they could have spent money on, you know, a more established player, but they went young. I mean, Vijalba, uh, Assad, uh, you know, you have Parkhurst in the in the that's there for, you know, say, veteran leadership. But the rest of the guys are young, and, and, and like I said, they're exciting. And I would say they're number two. I, you know, again, I don't really follow the Braves and Falcons. And Hawks, but I mean, everyone's talking about Lane United and not everyone's talking about the other sports. I'll say that.
2: I mean, we talked about high powered offense. I mean, I was just looking at the uh, the schedule from last, last season, and when Mercedes benz open, you have them beating FC Dallas 3 0, them being the Revolution 7 0, a 3 3 draw with a rival Orlando City, beating the Galaxy four zero. 0. That that kind of entertaining soccer it, it tends to attract people that usually say that hey, soccer is a pretty
3: boring sport. Do you think that helped? Yeah, I mean, like for instance, like my boss came to the the game against what was it, Orlando uh, at the Bend, the first game where we went for seventy thousand, right? And he he you know, he's a he's, uh, he's a real baseball guy, you know he's like Braves through and through, and his wife got him tickets. And he went and he's like, oh, my God, I, what is it? I love this. I'm, I, how do I, what do I do next? And, and there's a lot of people like that. You know, the people, you know, the casuals, you know, is like I think the bottom bowl is, is set up for 42.5, if I remember right. You know, we've, we've got 35,000 season tickets. So, I mean, game day sales, when it's not opened up, you know, you really have to be, you know, you have to get in there fast and you have to know some people in secondary markets and whatnot. But when they open it up to seventy thousand, there's those you know extra twenty thirty thousand. Not only do you know people are buying the tickets, but like when they get in, they get hooked. I mean, after every you know the two games where it was uh, seventy thousand and in the off season, people want to know how do I get involved. Uh, You know, they walk around the tailgate like, what are you guys doing? How do I? What do I need to do to be part of this? And it's just it's just an excitement that's been I think it's been building, you know, not only like the last say decade or or two decades, but ever since the announcement people have just been waiting for this and, and it's just getting bigger and bigger. Austin, what
1: on the daily action or the game day action, is there something you guys do as, as a supporters group? I know there's multiple supporters groups, but how does it differ from other type of sporting events in Atlanta and then even just across soccer from what you see in England, Germany, Italy, Spain to just even across the differences between Dallas, Atlanta, Seattle, Toronto.
3: Yeah. So, you know, I've been to, I've been to about a third of the stadiums, I think so far, uh, maybe 10, but anyway, you know, it's really interesting, you know, like Seattle and Portland they really can't tailgate, right, because of where their stadium is and and other issues. Um, You know, Houston Dynamo, there was a little bit of tailgating. FC Dallas, you know, I know there's been, you know, you guys uh, have a couple places to uh, tailgate. There's an attempt to tailgate. Right, 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 right. (laughs) There's Uh, an attempt. So, you know, know, it depends on the situation, right? And in the South, you know, tailgating, you know, sort of this college football culture People have taken, you know, soccer fans. You know, people love their sports. You know, regardless of what sport it is in Atlanta, and they sort of took the tailgating thing. And we've, I don't know, it's. I haven't been to a tailgate on this level. I haven't. Again, I haven't been to all MLS stadiums. Uh, but you know, like we went to Kansas City. A bunch of us went to Kansas City. You know, and they have they have a couple beers set up, and they one or two people are grilling, and you know, it's kind of a mild tailgate experience. Uh, but like in Atlanta, we have like we have like 200 spots blocked off, and we have like uh, four groups tailgating simultaneously, and that's just the recognized groups. There's other pockets all over the the parking lot that we we're, we're in. is called the Gulch, and it's right uh, next to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And just there are people all over the place, and uh, you know, we we have gr- uh, grills, we have food trucks, we have beer tents, uh, we have you know uh, small pitches, we have soccer tennis. Uh, we have TVs, you know, when the Falcons are on, we're watching the end of the Falcons game before we go into the to the soccer game. And it's just it's it's it's, it's insane. I've, I mean, again, like I said, I haven't been everywhere in America, but I can't imagine uh, that there's a tailgate anything like this in, in U.S. soccer culture right now.
2: Now, at the beginning of the season, you guys did start playing in Bobby Dog while waiting for the completion of the Benz. Can you talk about the difference in atmosphere between Bobby Dodd and Mercedes-Benz Stadium?
3: Yeah, that was a really interesting um, part of last year. A, re- a really interesting chapter. You know, uh, everyone, you know, get, Mercedes-Benz gets announced, So you see these ren- uh, renderings, and it's like, oh my god, this thing's amazing. Mm-hmm. And then you know, they hit a couple of construction snags, so they're like, well. Uh, we're going to have to play in Bobby Dodd for a couple of games. And then it became half the season and everyone's like, this sucks. And it's getting, you know, why do I want to go to Georgia tech? And all the UGA fans got, you know, you know, all upset because they have to go to Georgia tech. And, you know, there was like all this stuff that could have gone wrong. And the first game was a, a night game. Yep. It was a night game against Red Bulls yep. and you we were playing under the lights you have the city in the background, and the noise in that place was amazing. I mean, it, it was really electric is like an understatement about what it was like. And from then on, you know, people stood for 90 minutes. Now, whether it's because they were excited or the bleachers suck or whatever, uh, they stood for 90 minutes. And it just created this environment to the point where when we moved to Mercedes-Benz, people were actually sad that they had to leave, had to leave Bobby Dodd. And they won a game there, you know, maybe one game there a year. I don't know if that will ever happen, but uh, it just really turned around. And, and Mercedes-Benz is different. It's totally different uh, in terms of the amenities and the, you know, the halo board. And it's just Mercedes-Benz, if you guys can get over here for a game, it really is a shrine. <laughs> and it's it's amazing. Uh, but Bobby Dodd was something different, and I think, in the end, we appreciate the differences. And, and while uh, maybe the noise is a little better, Bobby Dodd, um, you know, again, come July when it, we're, we're in 72-degree comfort and not in 95-degree heat, you know, I'm, I'm for the 72-degree comfort. So <laughs> that's where I'm going to put my money.
1: Now, Austin – This upcoming season is going to be interesting to see how Atlanta United responds. Because often with these expansion teams, you have a very big high expansion season. And then it kind of seems to fall apart. You just look at Orlando, it seems to have fallen a little bit flatter Uh, of recent years. NYCFC, you've seen attendance go down, in fact. But what do you think fans are going to react with the new additions and just being now at Mercedes Benz on the regular,
3: yeah. It's, that that is the the sixty four million you know the the million dollar question, right? So mm-hmm. you know, we've already had uh, roster turnover, right? Emil Sa goes to DC United. Carlos Camona goes to Colo Colo, um, uh, and Juan Walks has gone, uh, you know, went back to England. Uh, Mears uh, I think, it's at Minnesota now. So we have roster turnover. Uh, but everyone's excited about Barco. Uh, so it, the team itself, I think they're still going to be exciting. I think we're still going to have some chemistry issues as we integrate Nagby and Barco, and, and we'll see how that goes. Um, I think the team's going to be exciting. I, I, I think they're a playoff team again. Um, I'm not sure if they are t- TFC level. I think if you know Toronto does what they're supposed to do, it's going to be hard to catch them. Uh, but I think Atlanta, you know, if we can keep our players healthy and we have a more balanced schedule this year, I'm hoping that maybe we can get out of that fourth place game, maybe in the third. But I think we're, Atlanta and I is looking like a playoff team uh, on paper. In terms of the fans, I think it's going to be interesting, you know, we have a full season at Mercedes Benz. I think a lot of people, I know speaking for the supporters, we learned a lot last season about, you know, game day logistics and, and how we can improve. So I think uh, from that, I think, uh, I guarantee you our TIFO and, uh, uh, and better. <laughs> and I think for the casual fan, they're going to be more, okay, this is what I can expect. Um, you know, in terms of when they go into the game, uh, what, what's gonna, what's gonna happen. Um, now, so, so the casual fan, I think will have a better experience. They're getting more educated. I think they're going to enjoy the games more. And I, you know i i think that uh we really l a and i really go from strength to strength uh I'm not going to be bold to say that you know they're going to win MLS cup or anything but that's that's tough i mean you know t s c's been amazing and you know they also got knocked out in the conference finals right they were almost out you know, right while m s while m s cup was a great performance by them they you know they got a good you know Columbus and New York Red Bull definitely challenged them. Uh, so to say they're just going to roll again, I think is that you know that's a dangerous uh, way to go. But I think you get in the playoffs and then you have to see what happens. I mean, you know, Elaine and I lost to Columbus. Now we could have lost that game two or three nothing, and we could have won that game two or three nothing. Uh, both teams had both both teams had chances. It was a really it was a much more open game than I think a lot of people would have anticipated. So you know, if we practice penalty kicks and maybe we win that game, maybe we you know maybe we get a little roll. So for me, like, MLS is about just getting to the playoffs, like American sports in general. You just got to get in the playoffs and then then see what happens.
1: Austin, so the city has really taken on soccer. Where do you think this can go? Do you see Atlanta becoming the premier destination for footballers across the world to come in, integrate, and then maybe even use MLS as a stepping stone just because of the culture?
3: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the way Elaine and I is currently set up, that is definitely where we're going. You know, we have the, we have the uh, new train center opened up just about a year ago now. Um, so you have, you have that. Then you have Mercedes Benz, which is an amazing facility with, um, you know, huge crowds. Uh, you have a front office. I mean, the front office really cannot be understated. I mean, Darren Deal, Negra, Paul McDonough. I, this, that's what they're looking for. They are going into South America and finding these players. they, they understand that I think they understand that MLS is placed in the world. We are a selling league. And if we can get these guys early, like, you know, instead of them going to, you know, Vela Sarsfield or wherever, if we can be their first step before they go to say Porto or Benfica or a lower Spanish team, before they finally make the jump mm-hmm. to a huge club uh, you know, that's, that's how this is going to go. And if we can get, you know, Almiron now, we get them for, you know, this will be a second year. I, you know, I wouldn't be at all surprised if he goes in the summer. I mean, that's, so you get him for 18 months, but you make a little chunk of change and you just keep that pipeline going. I I think Atlanta United specifically is set up for that. Uh, and in terms of destination, you know, Atlanta United is a very diverse city. It's a very global city. And, and you know, the uh, the South American, that sort of Latin contingent, has found a home here. They they can find, they can they can be together, they can find... You know, uh you know, fellow, whatever, pick your South American country. There are pockets of that all over Atlanta. So uh, in terms of that, I mean this this can be a destination in a way that maybe other you know cities can't.
1: Yeah, I mean, Atlanta is a huge city to begin with. And, I mean, there's a big rag on, on Atlanta sports. But Atlanta United, from a soccer perspective, you sit there and you're like, oh, it's really hard to point fun front of them because everybody's just jealous. Everybody wishes that they could go to a stadium and just watch the game and be absolutely sold out. But, Armand, you and I were talking before, and we were looking watching a video of the playoff game against... Columbus against
2: Columbus. I mean, like, like, like I've I've mentioned multiple times. I think that was one of the more exciting games in the MLS playoffs. You know, ended nil nil. I think it was a fantastic game. And yeah, I was showing Stephen. I was like, before his interview, we have to we have to watch the uh, the fo- the cell phone lights flickering on, and then the yep. We Ready chant going on that with sixty thousand on a Thursday night is doing that. Can you just tell us how that felt? I mean, that's almost like a culmination of all y'all's work. Just in one shining moment for the season.
3: Yeah. I, you know, I was kind of surprised that they opened it up for the playoff game. Cause I think it was a Wednesday or th- I think it might've been a Thursday night. Thursday so, you know, the weeknight yeah. game. So yeah. So are people going to come out? But they did. And, you know, I think it was 69 something or whatever. Uh, and, and in terms of a lot of things have happened this season that are, are organic and some have been sort of planned and then have organically grown. I think uh, a couple of examples of that would be the Golden Spike ceremony before the game. At first, no one knew what really what happened. you know what it would be, and would it be kinda would it be kind of clunky and sort of cheesy, but you only know, have these hu- i mean like I'm not a hip hop guy, but I like when these guys walked up and everyone starts freaking out uh you know two chains and some other people, you know it became like a big deal, and then we get Arthur Blank up there. Uh, it just became a bigger and bigger deal. So you wanted to see who was going to hit in the, you know, knock in the golden spike. Uh, then we have the, you know, the the we ready chant. Uh, you know, Footy Mob really does a great job of, of trying to integrate hip hop culture here at Lane United. And so you know that happened, and it just became like a thing. Really, you know, especially towards the beginning of the game. And then the you know the light thing I. I wasn't I wasn't really paying attention. I you know, I guess it was happening <laughs> around me, but I was like I was like white knuckling it. I was right. I was on I think it was on ninety two point nine on you know, a bunch of uh the supporter leaders went on their show in the tailgate. I was like, I'm scared to death about tonight. I was like freaking out. I just 'cause the the margins were gonna be so close. So like I was like watching the game, I was like, How are we gonna win this? And so I totally missed it until I saw all the video the next day. Uh, but you know, so these things grow organically. Um, you know, the, the, the post-game um, mm-hmm. golden spike, you know, the guy comes up there and you know he gets a bunch of scars, they they take selfies with people. I mean we couldn't have anticipated that, that would have happened. Um, you know, but it, it just does and you know, we've able we've been able to make the best of a situation. You know, like for instance we we're in the gulch, which is literally almost underground we have to go through a martyr station to get to the to the match right and mm-hmm. so we have to wait go on escalators and it's a sort of stop start thing but we just because you know in the end we'll be at the uh, home home depot backyard and eventually it'll be a lot better and we just that's what elaine i fans have done um regardless of whether they're part of a support group or not they just figure it out uh you know we had so many rain games this year last year you know multiple hour delays and the crowd just waited and uh we had one game i think it was houston where the the march started going and because of the lightning they had to take cover right so they had to divert the march they had to go underneath the parking structure and they were chanting in the parking structure and they just (laughs) waited and they just then the game starts and they march in the stadium and we just keep on going and i think that's what you know that's been a that was a big uh a big plus for supporter culture last year it's just like Atlanta United fans didn't stop. Like Atlanta United uses like the hashtag, you know, don't stop or we don't stop, and, and Atlanta and United fans don't. They just keep going for rain or shine, um, regardless of the heat. We had a couple of heat afternoon. Oh, there was a New York game and I think it was DC. It was like it was seriously ninety five degrees, and the sun the sun is directly on the supporter section, right? And they just keep on going. Like they just nothing stops us and. And that's been really cool.
1: Absolutely. I mean Atlanta United and the supporters is something that I think everyone in America could learn from. And and I hope we learn from each other to really grow this sport. But Armand, I, I just don't know how we cannot talk about jerseys. Oh yeah. And this question is sponsored by Away Days. Use
2: promo code Uncle Sam for fifteen percent off. Austin they add new king peach jerseys which at first i kind of didn't like them but now i'm in love with them what are your thoughts on them
3: okay so king peach has been very it's uh in the elaine night uh social media universe has been uh has been a very interesting topic right mm-hmm. uh, so when we saw the leaks it was very um basically the Houston Dynamo threw away their Agreed. jerseys and we picked mm-hmm. them up right mm-hmm. uh so there was a lot of that and uh, you know, like peach, you know, like we are the peach states so are like, okay, I kind of get it. But then I learned that we're not even the largest peach producer in the United States or so like third. And so then I was like, what? And so then, it, you know, depending on which picture you saw, it kind of looked, it, like I said, Houston Dynamo. Uh, it looked a little bit creamsicle so that, you know, and then uh, so a, a drink at the varsity, uh, which is this, you know, sort of famous uh, restaurant landmark here in Atlanta it's called the frosted orange. So I thought they were going to go frosted orange as a way to you know sort of honor that, uh, but then it turns out they went king peach and you know it's based on uh, on one of the TIFOs we did last year uh, for the NYCFC game. Uh, king peach is you know bigger than the big apple, and uh, they went with it. And when you saw it in person, so they unveiled it. They officially unveiled it. You know because of the internet, nothing's ever a secret. Uh, but uh, <laughs> they they did a uh, open training session uh, the, the night before they left for Charleston. So if you were a founding member and you were lucky enough to get tickets, uh, you could go. So, uh, before the, you know, they come out and, you know, Arthur Blank makes a quick statement and like, okay, we're going to unveil the New Jersey's. And so they did it and they had a hype video and, uh, you know, they, they, they unveiled these mannequins around the training center and you look at it and it, it, it did grow on me. Right. I didn't I didn't really hate it at the beginning, but you know, when you see it up close, and it's got that geometric pattern, sort of a sort of a hint to like your uh you know Netherlands Euro 88, uh kind of that yeah. sort of look, and it's mm-hmm. not it's not overt. It's very subtle, uh, and so the orange is, you know, I wouldn't classify it as peach, but again, I'm not a designer. Uh, I am sort of a kit snob, kit nerd, but I wouldn't call it peach. Uh, but was was really interesting. So in the end, I I can live with it, right? So mm-hmm. it is what it is. Uh, but What was really interesting is that they released a King Peach scarf, uh, you know, which sort of goes with the jerseys, but then the oranges don't match. So they have a mannequin with this new pe- the new shirt, and then they have a scarf draped over it, and that really bothered me. Um, the other thing is the numbers don't you can't is they're really hard to see on the back of the jerseys. Mm. And then the, then we found out that the authentic is like very see-through, very sheer. Um, so that was kind of obvious uh, in Charleston. Uh, but anyway, I say all that to say, you know, Adidas is going to do what they're going to do. It's not awful. Uh, it's, you know, again, it's not what I would have done. Uh, but, uh, you know, Atlanta night is going to play very th- things very down the middle, right? The name, um, their branding. Uh, you know, Lane night too, their logo is essentially they just replaced the a with a two with the golden spike through it. Right. They didn't come up with something crazy. You know, they didn't, you know, try to go like Bethlehem steel or slow park, park rangers or anything like that. They said, mm-hmm. this is our second team. We're calling the lane two, moving on. Right. They didn't make a big deal about it. Uh, so they, so the King Peach doesn't really, uh, doesn't really surprise me. They didn't, you know, try and help. I, although I guess some people say the peach is an outrageous color, it's not that bad, right? um you know a lot of us a lot of fans would like to see the gold integrated more uh, I know that's one thing that you know uh so sort of if you look at the uh, I guess the LAFC, uh away just dropped it's got white uh, with the gold trim of the adidas marks across the shoulder and whatnot so I think a lot of Eline I fans would have preferred that, but it's different it's got you know we needed a light jersey it's better than the concrete and strawberry i I don't know if I'm allowed to say that in public, but I think it's kind of better than that. Um, and so, you know, they're just going to do something that's a light jersey. They're going to do slight tweaks over the years. And, you know, in 2020, we'll get a new one and, and we'll move on.
2: Steven, you know what the jersey reminds me of? What? Waterburger. Yeah, it does. That's it, a good it reminds me of water-burger. If If you're playing Atlanta United uh, Crest with, like, the Whataburger, I think you'd make a Whataburger jersey. I mean, just throwing it out there, Waterburger, if you're hearing this. Uh, yeah. You <laughs> can make a pretty, pretty, pretty sweet jersey. Does but Austin, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciated you uh, coming on. And we do a little something here on the podcast, a little shameless plug where you can plug away, where you can find you, Terminus Legion, or anything you're involved in. So go ahead and just plug away.
3: Yeah. So, so Terminus Legion, you know, it's TerminusLegion.com. It's uh, Terminus Legion on Facebook uh, Twitter and Instagram our social media team does a great job of uh, putting out content and keeping keeping members informed so you know that that's the place to find us for all of that mm-hmm. uh, for me personally again Austin long 1974 on Twitter I sort of tweet about uh, soccer in general and and ranting about Atlanta traffic but uh, <laughs> mostly I focus on uh, soccer uh, you know kit nerd uh, talking about jerseys talking about uh, you know Atlanta so- soccer culture uh, I'm not able to help this year but a, a plug for uh, ATL Soccer Con so it's uh, ATL dot com and ATL Soccer at ATL Soccer Con, uh, on Twitter uh, J.R. Francis is one of the guys I started it with uh, he's he's taking over and it's going to be June 23rd at Reroll we're going to do sort of a World Cup uh, watch party extravaganza it's going to be all day we're going to have uh, supporter groups there and Sabudio and watching the World Cup and, and just making a day of it so uh, yeah. And if you really want to hear me ramble and, and get into kit nerdum, um, you know, soccernomad.wordpress.com. com. That's my uh, old blog. I, you know, since I became president, I haven't had much time to dedicate to that, but I did a blog and a podcast and, uh, explore a lot of the issues that it seems like you guys are, you know, trying to get, you know, us, uh, soccer and, and, and supporter culture and, and, um, uh, just, you know, having conversations with fans and, and, and people in the know. So, uh, you know, yo. Know, uh, when you guys invited me on, I tried to catch up on the podcast, and um, you guys are doing a great job. And and I wish you guys all the best.
1: I appreciate. It. Thanks for the kind words, Austin. And uh, hope to see you. Give me a peach jersey. Yeah. <laughs> oh. If we ever come oh, down there, yeah. We're if you, we're...
3: Yeah. If you guys are ever in Atlanta, please look us up. And uh, so we go to. Are we coming to you this year? Because you guys, yes, yeah, because you guys came to us. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so um, Again, you know, both, you know, we we enjoy having uh, supporter opposing support groups. Uh, you know, we love to give, you know, get a beer and trade scars and stories. And uh, oh, so, yeah, that. we'll be in the gulch for now. And uh, you know, if in in 2019 when you guys come over here, we'll be in the Home Depot backyard. So, uh, Dallas fans, uh, feel free to stop by, find the Season tent, and grab a beer.
1: There you go. That's that's all what it's about. Austin, thank you so much. And I guess we'll see you on the. On the television somewhere in that stadium. That's right. Armand Atlanta United is it's an interesting story to follow, especially because we're in year two of this project. We have no idea what way it's going to go. Could it go up? Could it go back down? Could we see even more growth? I have no idea. I really don't know because you set the bar really high. There's a lot of
2: things that could happen. Like you said, do other MLS teams emulate this? Do other MLS teams try to go for this? Does MLS see this as a model that's sustainable and can be used as a criteria potentially for expansion size? Maybe that's what inspired the Detroit bid to go towards uh, a stadium. It's a bid that you know I don't necessarily like or love. But you can see why MLS would want it. You get more butts and seats, you don't have to create a new stadium. You just gotta convert, pay some rent. Or if <laughs> any, or in some things you don't have to pay pay for rent at all, and you get lots of people coming in and out. Your m- money is good. If you get forty thousand Detroit, is that better than getting twenty five thousand in a soccer Pacific Stadium? That's a question that I'm not gonna answer.
1: Well that's, that's a very MLS has to answer. That is a very fair question to ask. And I think what would be interesting is with the stadium bids, is MLS going to push for at least an all-grass type of I deal? mean, they
2: sh- they should.
1: At but, least all-grass.
2: If, if you're building a soccer stadium, it's going to be all-grass. But the problem is, if you're going to ask for stadiums that are in NFL NFL, how are you going to implement this uh, grass turf thing kind of like they have in the new uh, Spurs stadium they're building uh, in uh, England? Yeah, you know they have like – but how can you add that into a
1: stadium that's already built? You know they don't want to spend that much more money. That probably costs a lot of money. No, it does cost a lot of money. But I think you as an MLS need to put the hammer down and be like, wait, wait a minute here. We're not going to get swayed and pushed over by these owners saying, well, look, we have a stadium. No, you need to worry about the product on the field as much as the marketing and being able to sell 40,000 tickets over twenty five and having fans go nuts. I mean, USL is implementing a rule that you have to have a soccer-specific stadium by 2020. Yeah, and that's the levels that we need in order to help growth uh, of soccer in this
2: country. Because, I mean, without a soccer-specific stadium, what do you have? Oh, a team playing in the NFL, or in this day and age, an NFL team playing in an MLS stadium. But, I mean... It is interesting because Atlanta United setting up this trend to where you see bids like Detroit being exposed. So, what if? Here's a hypothetical: What if Phoenix decided to play in the University of Phoenix Stadium in Arizona?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, that's a scary question. If you're MLS, that's a very scary question. I mean, I mean, there's
2: a lot of things you could be like, "Hey, look, look at this. What's going on at Atlanta? We can get that, and we'll put out in grass." Like it's it's a, it's a really interesting dynamic. Do I think there should be soccer-specific stadiums? Yes, but you have to take the argument from the other side. If a team like Atlanta United is having this great growth in an NFL stadium, who is there to say, yeah, we want soccer-specific. Well, you don't really want soccer-specific. We have, Atlanta's not doing a soccer-specific. What about you? Why do we have to soccer-specific? It's a question that, again, MLS not establishing those firm standards hurts themselves with.
1: Yeah, and and the USL thing is very interesting because this has been talked about since 2015. There's a there's an article on mls.com dated May 13, 2015 by Dan Eitel and he quotes, "A critical part of our strategic plan is to have all USL clubs as owners or as primary tenants of soccer-specific stadiums by 2020," USL president Jake Edwards said in a release. That is that is huge. That is USL taking directions, I think, in the right direction. I do. And I mean, once, taking steps once you the get, right direction. Once,
2: once you get this set up and you make the stadiums expandable, then I think you'll start seeing this the soccer really taking off because I mentioned this so many times on this podcast, Stephen, if the lower leagues aren't aren't going off, then it's going to be hard for the major leagues to, to, to to go off. I think the lower leagues are very important. And yep. adding your own soccer League Stadium, I think, is huge. And it's it's gonna provide for a really interesting dynamic in terms of a potential pyramid where teams are going up and down.
1: Absolutely. Anyway, listeners, big shout out to our new sponsor, Away Days, football.com. You can receive fifteen percent off your entire purchase if you just type in uncle sam at checkout that's be cool
2: right just type in uncle sam and you get 15 percent off and you, get a, and you get a mystery jersey i mean i've seen on twitter's team supporting or people supporting the team that they receive i mean wouldn't that be pretty cool you support like a random uh third division team in like france they get promoted to league Un, and you're like wow i was
1: there since like day one kind of <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's cool because sometimes you end up with U.S. connections that you just didn't think about. Just saying. Anyway, listeners, go on to awaydaysfootball.com, get a soccer jersey. Give us a follow at Unc Sam soccer pod Armon Fai, Steven Jodron. We'll be back next week. Take care.